I give you the grumpy cat. Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 157. Within a business realm, more people typically means better services for lower prices. There are companies who need to make a buck, who need to make a profit. When they're looking for a church solution, they're either like, hey, it's church's money, so I'm just going to go ahead and spend it, or this is the Lord's money, and I shall not spend a dime. This week's podcast is brought to you by Finding Faith Inside the Big Blue Box, a Whovian's 30-day devotional. Written by our very own Phil Schneider, Phil uses Doctor Who as a backdrop for this 30-day devotional that will walk you through basic elements of your Christian faith in full Doctor Who fashion. You can purchase Finding Faith Inside the Big Blue Box on Amazon or directly from Church Mag Press at churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. This week on the podcast, we talk about the dynamic of church tech products and services being marketed and sold to churches. If you have some thoughts on this, we would love to hear from you. You can email us directly at podcast at churchmag or use the churchmag podcast hashtag cmagcast. Tell us what you think. Now, it's time for some fun. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. You know, guys, the other day I was on the Game Church City Facebook group. Cool group if you are a Christian gamer, for sure. Jeremy, you're part of that group, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And somebody put out there a question to the effect of what are what is a video game series or a video game that is highly acclaimed, very praised, has a group, you know, big following has a great Metacritic score, etc., but you just can't get into, or you don't like, or you don't understand, or you just, like, you, you don't get it, you know, you've tried it, you don't like it. And it was an amazing to see, it was amazing to see the list of responses, because I not only saw games that I don't really care for, but I saw people list games that I really, really, really like. And it really struck me, different people, different perspectives, different viewpoints, different tastes, different styles, like different things. And when we apply that to the church tech uh, church tech space, you know, we see that there are a lot of apps and programs. We see that there are a lot of different applications and services, right? But so often those apps and those services sold to the church in general they are pitched in such a way of this is the a brand new idea or this is the best service or why would you do it any other way or hey here's this cool new idea you need to jump on board if you want to be cutting edge stuff like that and when we when we look at it through that lens we quickly realize and and think and and understand that each church has different needs they have a different perspective, and there is no end-all for these apps and services. So I think that's important to keep in mind as we are you know, reading stuff, especially part of Facebook groups and stuff like that. It's easy to get caught up on a hype train of something new. And, you know, a lot of these apps and services, they are pitching a product. They want to sell you on something. And we have to remember that, that a lot of times, 
you know, we get in the church space and we put down our guard because we're thinking, hey, everyone's working for the kingdom, which they are. But still, there are companies who need to make a buck, who need to make a profit. And that really, you know, that's also their goal or maybe that's their primary goal. I'm not, we don't need to maybe necessarily parse that or, or, or point or anything. But we have to realize that when the church becomes a consumer, that we have to be smart consumers and we have to ask the right questions. Yeah, I, I agree, Eric, because I think there's some people who go both ways. You know, it's when they're looking for a church solution, they're either like, hey, it's church's money, so I'm just going to go ahead and spend it. Or conversely, this is the Lord's money, it's the Lord's tithes, and I shall not spend a dime. I won't get everything for free or discounted. You know, we're a poor church mice. Can't you please design our logo for free? That kind of, that kind of mentality. Ooh, that's an interesting flip side. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. There's people who go, there's, and there's folks in the middle too who are, you know, I don't know, rational. There are people on both sides, I think, who either, hey, I don't feel the pain because it's not my money I'm spending, or conversely, I'm so afraid to waste the Lord's money, I won't spend any of it. So let me ask, is this conversation about the consumer buying or should this conversation be about the entrepreneur selling? Well, I think it's both. I think it's both because I think we, because one, we're talking to people out there who are on both sides of this, of this coin. And so I think we're addressing both sides of it. But I think we're also addressing the side of beyond just buying. When you're looking at a product, when you're looking to, when you look at a product, you're essentially looking to buy a solution to a problem. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you really have this problem? Well, is this the solution to your problem or is this a solution to your problem? Will this solution cause more problems or the solution require more resources to actually solve the original problem? Or there are there other solutions that possibly can solve this problem with a certain degree or with a similar degree of finality? Right. It's it's just like we've talked about even with church streaming, you know, do you have to church stream? It's sold like everyone needs to church stream and you need to do it. And if you're not, you're missing out. And that's a real key, that key of missing out that a lot of times can be our hook. The fear of FOMO missing out. has caused more people to make more bad, bad choices than any other fear. And if you see a product or service that highlights a problem, you can't assume automatically that, that the, that solution that they are pitching you, right? is the actual solution to your problem. That is the problem that they have they have built, you know, it's generally speaking this is the solution to the problem. But it like, you know, like Phil said that may not actually be your problem. Like you say, well, you know, uh, our church members aren't aren't really using the website or I wish our church members would use our website or use it for events, etc. Well, maybe you need to just make some changes to your website, for example. Maybe you need to tweak the UI or you need to you need a plug-in that will work better for your events, you know, or maybe, you know, I know some churches will use maybe maybe just communicate better the reason for having a website, for reason for using it. Right. Right. Maybe maybe your church just really is the most comfortable having a private Facebook group that you know, you drop that information on. For some churches, that is the best solution. Because I love pushback so much, I'm actually going to argue maybe against my own point. And for me, I guess the question is this. Well, we've already had a conversation about how sometimes church tech products or church products in general cost more. And there's something to say for the fact that they know the culture well. And we had a, a whole conversation already on a previous podcast. But then I think that there's also something to be said about the fact that there is um, entrepreneurship and they don't necessarily play by those same games of, I mean, they have a product to sell and if they don't do well, 
then the markets, the fact that they don't have that cost is going to affect them and they will learn very quickly that that's the case. And I think that there's been a lot of Christian products that that's been the case of, I think I can charge a premium because it's Christian. I understand this audience only to realize that they're talking to Christians that are very penny pinching in that process. Um, and so I think that that's the important thing as well. And so I guess I, I wonder is it actually worth having this conversation to the sellers? And, and that's kind of why I wanted to point that out is because I don't, I don't know if we actually make any changes by having conversations of why is the seller doing this? Why what's going on? We can have that conversation of why we think maybe it doesn't make sense to have the premium, but beyond that, they're not going to care because they are either needing to feed their families or pay for their ministry or, the market's going to tell them it's not going to happen and they're going to just have to bow out. And that's really the conversations I think a lot of entrepreneurs listen to is that it's not to mm. their customers. So it's a, you're, you're saying it has a lot more to do with the bottom line in that sense. If, if we, to, to look on the other side of the, to look on the other side of the coin, cause we can tell churches and church techs and pastors and leaders, Hey, you know, like Phil outlined, outlined it wonderfully about asking the right questions solutions problems etc but you're saying in regards to addressing the um christian entrepreneurship or businesses yeah yeah i would say that we could have all these conversations inform consumers all we want but the business may have already had this conversation in their head and say you know what that's fine because it's for the greater good or for um god's calling me to do this or whatever else and i don't personally i don't ever see entrepreneurs minds changing until the dollars stop and we could have these conversations all the time and make so much biblical sense and yet the dollars still flow and it's like you guys your words are one thing but the actions of the people are a totally other thing well i, I was just gonna say you know oftentimes you know we say well christians are penny pinching or churches you know are hold the purse strings tight etc but they hold it tight because those that give to the church expect them to Right. And good stewardship or not, you know, that that's the dynamic that that works. But aren't businesses just the same? I mean, look at any bootstrapped company. They're very tight with their money. They're very cautious in what services they use. You know, they'll, they'll use a uh, a uh, a branding page service that collects email addresses because it's cheaper and because it's easier than building their own. Right. And so, you know, wh- why do people expect churches to do differently. I almost feel like, you know, churches maybe approach things more business-like than what um, entrepreneurs or Christian service companies give them credit for as far as running a tight ship. That, that could be, Eric. I think it depends on the, obviously, the pastor of the denomination because the denominations choose their pastors differently. But I really think that most churches, people don't actually don't want the church to not spend money. They want the church to spend money on things that they want. So like, you know, we had a, had a lady come up a while back and she wanted us to do something to help, you know, um, and grow our, grow our youth group, which is actually one of the biggest ones in the area already anyway. But she said she wanted us to have, we need to see if we can't book that Toby Mac to come play at at one of our events. And it's like, oh, okay. Thanks for your suggestion. One, Toby Mac is not popular, you know, outside of the church realm not even that popular inside the, inside the church realm anymore he's old now uh but but two that's like an eighty thousand dollar investment <laughs> right you know and people 
I, I she probably she probably thought well, we could pay pay him five hundred dollars in pizza, you know, and <laughs> they, people have no concept, but people want you to spend money. They just want you to do it on things they want you to do it on. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. And so that's and then conversely, I think I don't think I don't think I've never met a single church like my church is now because my pastor is on is is fiscally on point, but I have never met a church, um, at least in a smaller church demographic that runs like a business. If anything, it runs like a house. That that analogy does make more sense. You're right, Phil. Yeah, and so I don't I don't think those pastors are spending money like crazy. Um, but I do wonder as lead pastors get younger and younger, and they fall more of this internet generation, if they're going to fall victim to like, oh, we need to do this, and oh my gosh, this new thing came out, we need to do this, and I can see, like, it's that the youth pastors who who I'm, I I witnessed years ago buying MacBook Pros, you know, for for no good reason are now lead pastors. And maybe they're more wise, but maybe they're not. And so they're buying services that they don't need or services like uh, professional, you know, box big box services they could just they could do on on their own if they had time to learn. Uh, or someone in their church that could trust to do it for way less, if if not no money. Yeah, and I think we need to be careful, and we, meaning the church, need to be careful about costs, you know, spending money on technology because technology can turn into a black hole. Like you're shelling a lot of money out, and when the service is gone, you know, what you invested in or what you put there, that money's gone as well. You can invest a lot of money into a good website, but keep in mind that that website is only going to last but so long. Well, and, then, and so, and if you get, if you invest in yeah. a proprietary service, if that company goes under, you've got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You've got nothing. All you've got is the money that you shelled out gone. At the very least with a website, if your hosting service spins close up, you can at least download your data and move somewhere else. But here, here we get back to my original example of, Different tastes, different needs, et cetera, and what you outlined, Phil, of what's the problem, right? So if if you're a typical if you're a typical size church, right, and your demographic or the people in your church, you don't have anybody that can build spin up website like you. You're an associate pastor ish, okay, and so but you're technically savvy. So if you say you needed like a uh, kind of a back end private, semi private, members only kind of portal, right? In addition to your regular website, you could spin that up easily with WordPress in like 30 minutes, right? You could be up and running, no problem, right? But, but, big but, you know how to do it. You can do it well. Not every church has that. So maybe another church down the road who doesn't have somebody that can monitor that, who can update things, etc., right? Maybe a Squarespace page would make more sense for them. Yeah, it's a monthly cost, but you you don't have anybody on staff or somebody in the congregation that can do that. So again, we see, you know, something that even, you know, like I hear Squarespace and I kind of want to cringe, but I also understand that that can be a really good solution for, for a church that doesn't have the bandwidth or the money to pour into something. So it's like, you know, different... Different solutions for different problems. Absolutely, I've you know I've been I've done a few uh, websites for businesses lately, and one business wanted some you know pretty streamlined stuff, so it made sense to use someone who could build them a WordPress site and do some design work. This other business, once I got into the project, it was pretty simplistic. 
And I was like, dear God, don't let anyone tell you about Squarespace. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> true. Now, it's true. They, they needed someone who has a technical know-how. Like They wanted analytics and the, uh, eventually. So I was like, okay, you're going to need me eventually. But their initial website was really easy, and Squarespace site would have been um, a lot simpler. But then they, they, had, they had zero time. They weren't going to go and try to fart around with Squarespace for even an hour. But they could have they could have hired you to mess with Squarespace, and they would have been set. They could have, yeah, yeah. In yeah. fact, in fact, um, one of the lar- I, I was speaking to a friend of mine who is head of the the tech department, or one of the like a head of the kind of web tech technology area of a megachurch, right? And they have a full team on staff that they are dedicated to all the web tech stuff, right? And they have, I think, oh, I forget how many websites. They have a lot of websites that they have to deal with. And they are in the process of converting all their or many of their WordPress sites to Squarespace because they can set it up, it's easy to manage, and it doesn't require nearly the the bandwidth as maintaining, you know, 30 different WordPress sites. And so here you have a situation where you have like this mega church on staff, full-time paid tech team, and they are moving some of their stuff over to Squarespace because what they have to pay per hour, essentially, it is a money saver. And so here you have this mega church, a full-time staff, and they're, and, and they're, they are juggling different kinds of solutions to meet the different kind of problems within their organization. They're not going for one solution and, and slapping it on to everything. You know, my, my question real quick off topic is if, if you've got a host and you've got WordPress sites, your, your monthly cost is just your hosting, but it, and which is one flat fee for all your domains. If you go to Squarespace, you're paying money per domain. That seems like an increase of costs. Yes, but the, those sites require, depending on your site, they require maintenance. You need to make sure you update WordPress. You have to update plugins and, you know, and, and things break, etc. Whereas with Squarespace, you know, you have that monthly fee and nothing's breaking and if it does, it's on Squarespace to fix, you see? And so, again, it just depends on what you're trying to do and the resources that you have. That's what you have to look at. Because neither neither one of those, I mean, you've pointed, you've brought it up before, Phil, how some churches, you know, have a Wix site, and that's okay. No, no I agree. I, I'm just, I just don't see, I, I've never seen the the labor costs in this keeping, keeping plug-in, plugins updated. I'm, 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 I manage 20 WordPress installs. I, I get it done. So I, I, I'm, it's a side conversation. We're, just, we're going in the weeds now. I, I think for, I think what we need to realize when we uh, when church a, a lot of uh, church tech resources out there nowadays come from uh, companies who want to sell church solutions. You know, like I, I like about Church Mag, we we offer we sell ebooks and we sell stuff for, for further learning. But like we're not trying to sell people, you know, a new kind of soundboard or you know a new kind of like we're not selling platforms or solutions. You know, and maybe we will one day, but we don't do that now. And so sometimes I feel like our solutions and our tech analysis is a little bit, I don't want to say more pure, but there's less of a hook. If that makes sense. Whereas like I've seen some free resources and notice that that term there was free resources from a variety of sites. And you go to the site and you realize that here's five steps to doing this. And step five is buy our product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm afraid that that's what a lot of uh, happens. A lot of times 
you know, the church secretary, pastors, you know, maybe tech, you know, church techs, they come up uh, on a solution. They do have, there's a little bit of fear of missing out or, you know, it's something shiny and new or it points out a problem that, that, that they realize they have. But you have to keep in mind and you have to remember that it's still marketing. They're still a company and they're still trying to make a profit. And, you know, you have to be wise and just take a look at things. So I, I will say two things and both of them go against everything you guys are saying. Great. Well, we, we, uh, that's we what I was hoping us. for. That's what I was hoping for. Um, first of all, more people, the entrepreneurship uh, of getting into the game and kind of supporting the church within a business realm and economy realm, more people typically means better services for lower prices. So having someone come in and start doing website stuff for churches in and of itself is not a bad thing. And so I would say that how awesome is that, that they're offering a service, even if it's terribly priced or whatever you want to say, which I don't know what that is. And I've never seen it anyways. So I think that that in and of itself will just play out and will provide competition and probably require other services to step up their game. Um, and so I think that that's important. And I would also say on the end of entrepreneurs that I don't know if it's a bad, I, I don't think it's the entrepreneur. I don't think it's the business side's fault that we offer free stuff so that we can eventually make a sale. I think that's the, the customer's problem. That's their fault. They've created the culture that the business has had to unfortunately go into start doing so that they can get that. Because if you think about it, I mean, I've done a lot of research on as far as like trying to get sell stuff. And if you offer free things, you're only promoting the idea of give me something free, which means it makes it an even harder business model to sell stuff. So we say it like it's the, the, the company's fault that all of this is happening, but that actually the, the stats would say that that is actually causing it harder to sell stuff than if we were just to create a business and sell things. And so I don't want to blame the businesses because I actually think it's the church's fault. And the church, because of that, because they expect handouts and all that stuff, actually make for an inferior product at an inferior process and drive up costs because now they have to recoup those costs from the free things that they were designing, spending time making, and then giving away for free. And so in some sense, it's also our fault that all that's happening as well. What do you think of that, Phil? (sighs) I don't know. I I don't know if I do or don't. I'm just I'm I'm just what makes you want to disagree? Nothing makes you want to disagree. Right now, what's making what's the thoughts that make you consider that maybe I'm wrong? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're, I'm just I'm just trying to wrap my head around cuz in my mind in my mind half the issue is people in the church don't fully understand their problem. You know, and so for me, the, the bigger issue is like, oh, this thing keeps happening. Well, we need to go, we need to figure out the solution. So they go to the internet and start typing in stuff, and then you think they found it and they spend a thousand dollars, and no, you know what, the issue persists. Well, you know what this reminds me of is late night TV or those kind of offbeat channels where they have the little infomercials. You know, call one eight hundred and we'll show, you, we'll we'll send, we'll also throw in these handy kitchen knives. You know, those products, right, right. I feel like there are th- that those ex- stuff like that exists on the internet or is marketed even to churches. 
that they're like that, where some of us see it and, and can kind of see around it and go, oh, that's such a waste, right? They do those infomercial thingies because they work and people buy it, right? So there's there's part of us that watch those and are like, oh my gosh, like who would who would do that? At the same time, there are people out there that see that in our hook, line, and sinker, right? They're, they're ready to buy. And then there's probably even a third area of people that say, I saw, I ordered it, it did exactly what I thought it was, you know, this is great, this is the next best thing, okay? And so I think that that exists in, in well, the church hey, type So you mentioned well. the throwing the knives type type deals. Think back to every infomercial you've ever seen. How does the infomercial begin? By showing you a problem. Ridicu- but ridiculously so. Like they keep dropping something and you're like, right. what, do they have butter on their hands? Yeah, exactly. You know, and so that's half the problem is that half of the internet tech space or the church tech space is like, hey, is this your problem? Right. You know, like we're like, we're fortune tellers. Is this your card? Is this your card? Yeah. Because once you say yes, why well, hey, we've got we've got a solution. So maybe for you. maybe that kind of outlines what you're saying, Jeremy. Where it's the church's where it kind of puts it back on the church. Like, hey, church, you know, look at this a little clear. You're perpetu you're perpetuating, and you are, um, yeah, you're perpetuating this 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 problem because you're being a sucker. <laughs> right. You're voting. You're voting with your do- You're voting with your dollars, whether you're being a sucker or whether you're forcing them to offer an inferior product because of the way that you do, you need to be guaranteed 100% that no matter what your product's going to help your church, even though most likely it's not necessarily designed to create miracles out of water, like you think, and then, and then just having that expectation and that entitlement that's just causes difficulty for yourself. Yeah. I, I, your I see that. I, I, I can understand that. Phil. I mean, I mean, just, you know, I think, I think too, um, I think Jeremy would agree with this is a lot of times churches and some and smaller churches, this is not necessarily true of because they've got less, they've got less available to them, but many times churches under, underutilize their people and instead try to overutilize their budget and buying things when like, you know, maybe you've got an issue that, Oh, you've got a guy sitting over there in the pew who's not engaged, not helping, not volunteering. And he knows exactly how to solve this problem at, at the same time. At the same time, this this to me gets back to my original premises, like different problems, different solutions, different churches. It's it's not a one size. There is no one size fits all, you know, because there are plenty of churches that don't have that person. Right. Or that person, um, you know, there's all we've also talked about the fact that you you build something to totally proprietary within your 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 church and then that person leaves and you're you're stuck holding the bag of something that you don't understand and so you know there's that dynamic as well but again we see that 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 nothing really is the end all and we just like like you said early on phil we need to we need to ask the right questions right when when we see a sales pitch that 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 pitches a problem right? We need to think on our own, what else could solve this? Or what could possibly do this better than what they are trying to sell me? Because that's exactly what's going on. Yes, they love the church, right? Yes, they're talented. Yes, they have solutions. Yes, they came up with a great idea that w- that works for churches, but it might not work for yours. Well, you know, and let's put it, let's, let's believe the best in people, okay? So my problem with church techs is a lot of times they get they get um, sold on a solution before they've tested it out. And so they can't get it out of their minds. They need to do a certain thing. It happens to me all the time. 
Like I'll be convinced I found the solution for a problem, and then I, I won't hear reason. I won't. I, won't, I don't want to hear other solutions. I already have found the solution. We just need to implement this one thing here, right? And I wonder sometimes if some of these entrepreneurs they're convinced that their product is the solution, and they're not. Tr- they're not being slimy. They're not being greedy. They're just. They're absolutely convinced, and they're just evangelizing their product. I mean, honestly, you should be convinced your product is going to help people. Otherwise, why are you selling it? But the problem is that when they get into that mind space of this is the product, this is the only solution, then they might begin to, for good reasons, they think they're helping people. They might begin to move into more, um, I don't say underhanded, but heavy-handed selling tactics. Heavy-handed. And at that point, I think as the conversation of a whole, Jeremy's right, that burden falls on the church to move forward wisely in the end and can we just make sure my wife hears this why jeremy was right oh (laughs) so smith jeremy is always at least a little right (laughs) send us an email subscribe and search for previous episodes of the church mag podcast by visiting church mag you'll find a link on the main menu go to churchm.ag that's church mag churchm.ag please leave us a review on itunes pretty please (laughs) And as always, tell your church tech friends all about Church Mag. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. (laughs) 